Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Hey, Paratruthers. This week's episode is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon.com forward slash Paratruth. With their help, we are continuing to bring amazing new content to our listeners every week. So if you feel the urge to donate, head on over to Patreon.com forward slash Paratruth where you can just donate only a dollar and get some amazing rewards for your donation. Again, that's paratruthradio.com forward slash paratruth. Go check it out. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal comes with the Christian view? going on ladies and gentlemen welcome to a brand new episode of paratruth radio my name is justin and i'm eric and tonight there we got a real fascinating episode for you guys we're going to be discussing two topics that are kind of uh i guess you could call them opening doorway topics because in a sense you're kind of doing that with these uh we're gonna be talking about tarot and ouija or Ouija, or how you, however you pronounce it, me and Eric were talking before the show, and we're not really sure how that works, but uh, we, we've always called it Ouija, so I'm going to say Ouija. So, first thing that we were going to start out with is uh, the tarot, and uh, I've worked with the tarot uh, in the past, and Eric knows about the tarot, he's just not as educated as I am, um, so it Interestingly, the tarot is a deck of cards. Uh, I've seen people use actual playing cards to do tarot, uh, but there's there's usually this elaborate artwork on on each tarot deck. And there are major and minor arcana. Uh, the minor arcana have 14 cards per suit, um, and the major arcana have 21 uh just basic cards. They're not a suit at all or anything like that. And it kind of goes back a long while, actually. Um, used from at least the mid-15th century. Actually, I think it goes back even a little bit further than that. But the uh, sources that I have come across say mid-15th century. Um, now, you know, a lot of people use these decks to predict the future. And usually it's psychic mediums, teen kids that think that it's cool, that sort of a thing. Um, and I, I I have used the tarot in the past, and a lot of times my readings were pretty accurate. Um, what what's understanding have you, do you have of, of the tarot? Any at all? Not really. I mean, I've never really, I've never used them. Uh, I've never watched you use them or anyone else. I, I pretty much ignored most of the tarot uh, cards, but I've always been against it for the obvious reason that it was often used uh, in occult practices and by mediums and spiritists and things like that. 
Uh, and one thing that's important to rem- remember uh, per scripture is to be careful of fortune tellers, uh, simply because fortune tellers are business people more so than they are of actually trying to help someone out. Uh, there are numerous ways, and it's been scientifically proven that there are numerous ra- ways that one can predict the future of somebody simply based on questions uh, that they ask and the answers they receive. Uh, those things tend to lead to, like, 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 for example, questions such as who are some of your family members, what are some of the tragedies that happened in the past, what are your fortunes like currently. All those can help a, a, a tarot card reader or even a psychic determine what the best suit would be in order to predict the future of the person. And those, you'll notice, I think, and this is in most cases, that when these futures are predicted, even you said you were pretty accurate, because you weren't exactly accurate, uh, they're never, it's never a nail on the head. And it's never big things either, you know. It's nothing that's like, you're going to be, you're going, you know, you're going to make $200,000 on May 1st of 2016. And then on June 20th at exactly 3 p.m., you're going to do this. And it's nothing like that. It's just sometime in the future, you're going to be married. Well, yeah, anyone could predict that and probably be accurate. But, uh, those are the kinds of things that I've come to notice in the scientific reviews and investigations on tarot reading and on psychics in general. Well, the tarot is a little bit different, and it could be that it, that it, I've just not done a whole lot of research on it, but from what I've read and what I understand, the tarot is different in the sense that usually the person is asking a specific question, and then the, the tarot reader draws cards to try and do that. There's no questions from the tarot reader to the person um, other than asking does that sound like what's going on in your life or something like that so in a sense yeah you're you're right in the sense that they will ask that type of question um, well the one thing also though when you think about that is now I don't know exactly how tarot words works I don't know if and maybe you can elaborate on this or just fill me in but um, do you ask the question or does the client ask the question and then the tarot card reader shuffle the tarot cards or are the tarot cards already laid out before the question? No. Um, the the tarot card, like, for example, what I would say is, you know, what do you want to know? What's What are you trying to find out? And then, you know, they'll tell me, well, I'm just, I just want a general reading. I just want to see what's what's going to come up in the next couple of months or a year or whatever. Um, and then you shuffle a deck until you, I don't know how to describe it. I guess have a feeling that, that it's been shuffled to the right thing. Um, it, it, sometimes it can, it, it can be one of those things that you look at it and it's like, well, it, it could be just chance too. And it, mm-hmm. it's a good possibility. Um, but usually you're, you shuffle the deck and then when you feel that it's right, you start laying out and then each tarot card reader either uses a spread that is specific to something or, 
a lot of a lot of readers stick to the Celtic cross spread. Um, and then there are, there's ones that use just the three card spread where it's past, present, future. So in a sense, you're, you're not entirely, I'm not saying you're entirely wrong as far as it, it's kind of a, um, a guess per se, because in tarot and even with, with, uh, psychics, uh, things can change for people. And that, that is a, a true statement. I mean, there's no controlling your, your destiny in my opinion. Um, but that's well, usually now, how it works. Yeah. Okay. But now, I mean, when, when I'm thinking of this now and the way you're saying this, it's, it's all really left up to chance. And even so, can't the tarot card reader, and they do, I'm confident in this, manipulate what the answer is based on the card. For example, if somebody wants a general reading and you get a card that represents death, the tarot card reader would then determine, well, couldn't this be the death of a family member? Could this be the death of a career? Could this be a death of a relationship? You know, and then they get to choose which of those it is. So really, in a way, they're going to be manipulating because they don't have an exact answer. Well, it's, it's not a manipulate, like there, that's where you're going to be asking a question because a lot of people will see the death card and be like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. And the death card doesn't necessarily represent an actual death. Like you were saying, it can represent a death of a relationship or the death of one part of your life into another part of your life. Um, the tarot is up to interpretation. Yes. And that's, that's where I'm saying you're, you're not wrong in saying that it, it can't be manipulated, but each interpretation is up to the individual person. So yes, in mm-hmm. a sense, it, it can be completely wrong. And from a biblical standpoint, that's kind of where it's stating on top of I, I said this with Heidi. There's so many charlatans out there that want to get your, take your money and everything else that, yeah, I would say not a whole lot of people are either truthful or they're, they're taking money and not worrying about if they're, they're 100% accurate or not. Mm-hmm. But, um, that, that's where, that's why I'm saying, yeah, in a sense, you're, you're not wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong, but, um, it, it's kind of up to interpretation, not from just the, the reader, but from the person getting the reading as well. Um, and I have kind of fought with it a lot to doing tarot because I, I don't know, is it something that I'm actually getting? Is it, is it all up to chance? It's hard. It's hard for me to determine. But. Mm-hmm. Well, then on top of that, I mean, so there's obviously two different perspectives here, and probably more than that. But there's some people who believe that the tarot card reader in and themselves have the power uh, to decipher the cards and find the cards, and et cetera, et cetera. You know, you said it yourself. You shuffle until you think you have the right card, until you have a feeling. Mm-hmm. But there's other people that say that there's an entity behind the shuffling of the cards and that the entity is going to be the one that tells you 
when it is time to stop or when the right card comes along. You know, it's almost a third party or, yeah, I guess that'd be right, the third party uh, that kind of whispers in your ear. So as we're on the, when, since we're on the board here and in this episode talking about that these are doorway practices, uh, it, it maybe, I don't know, this would be in your opinion or preferably in your research. Do you find that there are different tarot card reasons? Uh, readers and interpreters that claim, you know, like one side says, oh, no, it's the people who have the power, and another side that says, oh, no, there's a spirit behind the card readings that help determine what the truths are or what the the predictions are? Um, the it, it actually kind of depends on who you talk to. If, if it's a medium that's also using tarot, and that sort of a thing, they, they'll say that it's, it's their spirit guides guiding them or, or, uh, their, their higher self or, um, something like that. In a sense, yeah, a spirit talking to them. Um, in, like for me, example, I, I don't hear spirits. I don't, I can't hear them. I can feel when things are around, but I can't hear them. Um, for me, it would be something like, intuition where it's like I I feel that that was enough shuffling so I'm I'm going to start the spread. So mm-hmm. some would say yes and I'm I'm pretty sure some would say no. Okay. Um and those I mean from a Christian standpoint those that are are mediums and psychics and they are using the tarot I mean it, it could, we've speculated from from day one, I mean, from the Christian standpoint, any type of entity is, is demonic from the more, uh, mainstream side. It, it could be anything. Um, so in, in a sense, it could be maybe a demonic entity controlling it from the other side. If you believe in, in, uh, spirit guides or, or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, and I mean, some, some would even say that, a higher power, a higher power is controlling it. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, obviously, for, from your perspective, that would not be the case if the Bible said, "Don't use that." But, right. <laughs> um, so, does that give you a little bit of clarity on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. One thing that. Uh, whether you, you you believe in tarot or anything like that, but it, the one thing that I've always found fascinating about tarot cards are the artwork. And, um, you know, there's 21 cards uh, or, or 22 cards in, in a major arcana deck. The magician, the high priestess, the empress, the emperor, the higher hierophant, the lovers, the chariot, strength, hermit, Wheel Fortune Justice. I'm not going to go through all those. Anyways, there's a big <laughs> number of of uh, cards there, and I've always loved the the different artwork in them. And um, you know, we had talked, and you had said that you know a lot of the artwork is really cool, and you would like to have t- a tarot deck if nothing more than, or, or I shouldn't say if nothing more, for nothing more than to just like hang them on the wall is like an art piece sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
so it's interesting that um they're they're so decorative and in each card they're so they're supposed to represent a specific uh scenario or or represent what the card is supposed to mean so that's where the interpretation comes in and you know depending on if the card is upside down or right side up it has an it has an effect on the reading as well so gotcha. um and the reason I'm calling this one a, a doorway practice is because just like the Ouija board, like Eric had mentioned, like if, if the tarot reader is saying they're having spirits tell them, um, the, the outcome or, or when to stop shuffling or whatever, um, you're basically opening a doorway to spirits to come in. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm calling this a, a doorway practice. Cause that, I mean, truthfully it is. I mean, no matter what you do, like Eric and I have say, said, you know, if you're doing ghost hunting, you're opening a doorway. If you're doing anything, you're opening a doorway, even if you don't know it. Right. At least, at least you're opening it a crack. Like even with the tarot card, like in this case, you may not be opening or you may not be allow or letting a spirit in or a spirit may not come in, but what it will do is if any of the predictions come true, it'll open your mind to want to seek out more. And eventually that door will begin to open more and more, especially once you yourself begin to dabble in it and do more research and things like that, you know? Uh, so I think it's not only a doorway practice to, allowing spirits into your life uh, and evil ones at that, but it's a doorway practice into allowing yourself to fall deeper into a, a, an occult that really, that isn't merciful to your beliefs and your understandings of the truth and what the occult is and represents, uh, or at least in the spiritual nature, what the spiritual nature is and, you know, the different realms. So, there's a lot of people who get into this kind of stuff not knowing what exactly they're getting into because they haven't done the proper research in the beginning uh, to learn, like, hey, here are what some would consider the upsides, and those are coming from many occultists. But as we'll soon see when we talk about Ouija's, there are occultists who also believe more strongly that there's a much darker side to some of these practices, the practices that they themselves do. Um and so I think in, in this case, it, research is always important. I mean, that's something you and I have always mm. talked about, you know, do your own research. Don't just listen to us. Hence, which is why our show is the way that it is, because we're trying to open our listeners uh, to doing their own research, to getting their own understanding. Because, I mean, seriously, nowadays people just want to be told what to do, it seems like. But we need to be on that. We need thinkers in this world, as opposed to people who are almost mechanical or even robotic and their understanding and then the responses of life, uh, situations. So just a, just a few points. That's all. Well, I mean, how many people right now believe that we're being programmed to think a certain way? A ton, a ton of people think we're being programmed to think a certain way. And they think that's happening through a number of different resources, whether it's television, radio, uh, uh, chemtrails, things like that, that, 
are supposedly capable of manipulating uh, uh, the mind in some way. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of people who think that, which is weird, you know, because, I mean, this is a new age, and new age stuff is becoming more uh, relevant as time goes on, and it's starting to prevail even. But it's just, it's crazy to think about, you know? <laughs> well, and um, it's, it. in a sense, I feel that, like, subliminal messages have been something that have been in numerous things, and I feel to an extent we're being controlled. Like, go buy that new piece of technology. Go get yourself a Coke because you just saw the commercial on TV. That sort of a thing. But, uh. Well, I mean, that, but that kind of stuff is. I mean, it's commercialism, yeah. I mean, right. that's what we do it too for our radio show. <laughs> we tell people they need to listen to our show, you know. I mean, it's, it's part of the natural way. Hey, uh, hey, hey. You may be telling people. Hey. To listen to the show, I'm just suggesting it. <laughs> no bullcrap. <laughs> and it's such a bull. So, <laughs> but, but I mean, you see what I'm saying, though. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a natural way. And the thing is, like, that's the difference. Like, there are people who are controlled by that kind of stuff. People who need the next best thing, who need the new makeup, who need the new car, who need this, who need that, because. Hey, last year's model is no good, and this year's model is the best. And people who have the best get the best you know they 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 meet the person that they want to meet they get the job they want to have they want you know they get the the clothing they get the money all because they bought this car and those are the people that are controlled and people need to start learning to to resist the controlling factor of advertising and the media because we see that the media controls everything i mean the whole idea of fake news and everything that's happening currently in the government and uh beyond that in the entertainment industry as well I mean, the people being controlled can't blame the media for controlling them. They themselves are allowing the media to control them, to control them, you know? So people got to get a stronger mind and be like, look, I'm not going to let this control me. I'm going to take in the information and I'm going to handle it and decipher it and research it and figure it out on my own. But nobody's going to tell me what to do because of whatever reason. And no one's going to tell me what's right and wrong because of whatever reason. And that's what we're falling into right now. And that's why you have so many issues going on. So many people are being controlled by different sides throughout the country and throughout the world. And it's, that's, I think that's the big issue right now. Hmm. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On conflicted, We dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.
All right, so let's kind of transition into the uh, Ouija board. And uh, for those of you that don't know what the Ouija board is, Eric, kind of explain. I, I mean, I, I don't know anybody that listens to the show that wouldn't know what a Ouija board is, but if you're a first-time mm-hmm. listener, you've never heard of it, Eric, kind of give us a, a breakdown of what the Ouija board is. Yeah, yeah. Well, and to, to just kind of elaborate on that a little bit, uh, perhaps and most likely everyone's heard of it, but don't exactly understand what it is or what it does. So in that case, this is a good portion of the show. <laughs> um, but the Ouija board, many people also call it the spirit board or the talking board, uh, is basically a flat board that's marked with different, actually all of the letters of the alphabet, uh, A through Z, and then also have the numbers 0 through 9 and the words yes and no. And depending on the board and who's making it, occasionally it'll say hello and definitely will say goodbye because the goodbye is how you uh, close the circle of whatever the spirit is. Uh, and, of course, there's a number of different symbols and graphics that can be on it as well, depending on what type of board you get. Now, it uses a little... Uh, it's basically a little, like, almost heart-shaped or spade-shaped uh, device. It's either wood or plastic, and it's called a planchette. Uh, and basically what you do is you place the planchette down in the center of the board, and you put your fingers on it, uh, you and whoever is with you in the group, and you ask a question. And as you ask questions, the planchette will begin to move if a spirit indeed wants to answer. It'll as well, I guess, somehow, I don't know how a spirit does it, but supposedly the spirit moves the planchette, probably using your energy, which is why your fingers are on it as well, uh, to answer the questions by either spelling out answers or saying yes or saying no or spelling out numbers depending on the questions. So the Ouija board was originally uh, commercialized by, business, by businessman Elijah Bond on July 1st of 1890, how cool is it to have the last name Bond, right? I mean, <laughs> seriously. James um, Bond, Elijah Bond. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but the spirit or the Ouija board or spirit board was actually uh, regarded as simply a parlor game, something that kids would play with or adults would come together on a, you know, on a wine night or whatever, wine and cheese night, <laughs> if you, if you will, and just play, play the game, you know, and then it's no big deal. You just have fun and that's it. Uh, and was completely unrelated to the cult whatsoever until American spiritualist Pearl Curran popularized it, uh, as a tool, dur- uh, as a tool for divining, uh, during World War One. Now spiritualists believed that the dead were able to contact the living, uh, much as we still believe today through a number of ways, uh, more Prominently today, it's through spiritual investigations or ghost and ghost hunts, if you will. Um, and they would use this board in order to supposedly talk to uh, a number of different spirits that would come through. Now, the board became very popular in some of the spiritualist camps in Ohio in 1886 uh, and were simply used because they believed it allowed for faster communication with the spirits uh, as opposed to simply, you know, doing like a seance, sitting around and asking questions or whatever like that and hoping. Uh, so I don't know exactly how or why it was considered faster communication, but nonetheless, uh, it was a big thing in this, in the spiritual camps in Ohio. 
Uh, now, as we talked about it, Justin, um, there are some people who believe there's good things, some people who believe bad things on the Ouija board. And of course, in some Christian denominations, uh, they had warned against using Ouija boards, which, which, which is natural. I expect Christian denominations uh, to strike out against the Ouija board. Um, holding that, of course, the Ouija board can lead to demonic possession. Now, occultists, on the other hand, are kind of divided on the issue, and this is what I was saying earlier in the episode, uh, that there are people on both sides that will argue different points. So in one case, some occultists will say, look, that's not true. Uh, the Ouija board can be a positive thing. It can be positively used to have a positive impact on someone's life, while yet there are other occultists who are proclaiming cultists uh, who say that, no, the warnings of many Christians are actually true and should be taken caution when using the Ouija board, especially when inexperienced users are using it. Uh, which, again, something we've talked about, people who are just inexperienced, not doing their research first, because mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. That's what happened when I was a kid. You know, I used to use the Ouija board a lot, my sisters and I. And unfortunately, it eventually had took a took a toll on us. It did did some uh, some negative stuff, and that's something we learned, and we thought it was just a game. So naturally, with all of this coming up, it, it would only make sense that the scientist side of thing or the scientific community would want to take a stab at the Ouija board and see if there's any truth to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that's very interesting about the scientific community uh, is, again, they too tend to be on two different sides because there are some scientists that claim you can't scientifically prove spirits or the spiritual nature. Mm -hmm. For example, you can't scientifically prove God. While other scientists say, well, then, and that's the case, God doesn't exist, spirits don't exist, and therefore it's okay to be atheist or secular and God doesn't exist and we're on our own, which, again, is still wrong. (laughs) You know, it's just... There's so many things. There's a whole other uh, episode we should actually do sometime, Justin, is the sci- or the the marriage between science and religion. Because even we heard one time, uh, which was the episode for Evolution 2.0. Yep, with Perry Marshall. Think, yep. Yep. Perry Marshall had mentioned that at one point, science and religion were married. They worked hand in hand. And that's the truth. And eventually, the two broke up because of a number of factors which had nothing to do with the credibility or incredibility of the two together. It's just because one guy wanted to make, you know, a chain, make a side, you know, mm-hmm. cut them up. Um, but nonetheless, scientists decided to investigate the Ouija board. And what do you think, Justin, happened when they investigated the Ouija board? What were their conclusions? Um... That it was the people manipulating it? Exactly. There was a subconscious way in which the muscles unknowingly would begin to move the planchette upon asking questions, which was something that you and I have both realized when we were kids, that there was always somebody moving it. The spirit never moved it. There was never a ghost that moved it. Uh, it was always somebody. And who, we never know, but somebody was moving it, even if they themselves didn't know it. Right. Uh, And this is something that they eventually 
after testing in 2012, found that people simply wanted to receive answers that were based on the questions they were asking. And therefore, unknowingly, their muscles would move the planchette to receive the answer that they were searching for. Now, that doesn't mean that the Ouija board is 100% debunked and that it <laughs> has nothing to do with spirituality. But in this particular case, that's what they they ended up assuming, which is interesting because most scientists are always going to jump to that conclusion that has nothing to do with spiritual nature. Right. And yet there are many people who are always going to stand up and say, well, no, that's wrong because I experienced this or so-and-so experienced that, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I mean, knowing what we know and what we believe, I mean, to me, from, from a science standpoint, yeah, I can see how they would would see that because even if it is the person or a person unconsciously moving the planchette, um, mm-hmm. in my opinion, a spirit could manipulate that person to be moving to those different things. Um, I mean, and even if you look at it from the Christian standpoint, a demonic Entity could could easily manipulate somebody to move the planchette to where they want it to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're not wrong about that at all. Um, and they would do that without the person, the subject, being ever the wiser. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, and the the one thing that um, you had mentioned is that there there are some Christian factions that had preached against the, the Ouija board and um, because it has led to demonic possession. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, there, there are cases that that has happened and that's kind of why we wanted to bring this up as a, a doorway opening uh, um, practice because I mean, regardless of what you believe, you're you're opening that doorway. Whether you believe you're talking to the spirits or you're talking to the demons, you're opening that doorway to the other side, and it's something that you can you just can't be willy nilly with. And right. I I think with the scientific part of it, and um, I don't know if you've got a little more research open or anything, but did they come to that conclusion just because of, um, like, does it say that they had any type of, um, reading, uh, apparatuses on these people to gauge whether the muscles were firing or the brain, uh, neurons were firing or anything like that for it to be moving? Yeah. You know what? There actually isn't anything that I came across this that goes into deep description as to how they went about testing these things. Um, and I'm sure there's a number of different ways they could have done it. Uh, one being some of the, the, uh, the nodes that mm-hmm. you had mentioned. Uh, some could be high definition cameras that would watch people's hands and arms and noticing if any muscles are moving. Because if you put your hand on an object that's moving and you just rest carefully, calmly and the object moves, your, your muscles aren't going to do anything. You're just simply going to, they're simply going to be pulled. You know, your arms are going to be pulled. However, if you're pushing something 
you're going to notice a small flexing in the fingers, in the hand, in the wrist and forearm that'll give indications that, okay, they're actually using their muscles now, which means they must be moving it. Unless they're trying to force it and keep it from moving, which is unlikely, but, you know, nonetheless, there are definitely ways to figure out exactly whether or not someone's using their muscles to move something. Um, the one thing that you kind of mentioned at the, the beginning of your description is there, there are people that view it as a, um, as a tool as well. And, um, that, that it can be a good thing. And, you know, the one thing that I was thinking when you had mentioned that is, yeah, okay. I can, I can see what they're coming with that, but if you're using a hammer, you still can slam your thumb, even if you're not intentionally slamming your thumb with the hammer <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and hurt yourself. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and I, like I said, I can see what they're, what they're saying, but at the same time, like, same example, a ghost hunter using a voice recorder to try and catch EVPs. It's the same concept, really. Um, but uh, you can't say that that it's it's good. It's a tool, but and there's it's not dangerous so long as you know how to use it. Uh, my father-in-law has been using a, a saw and hammer for most of his life, and he still will hit his thumb or cut his hand or anything like that. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a great example. You're absolutely right. Uh, no matter how well you think you're doing, no matter how good you think you're, no matter how good you think you are at doing something, there's always mishaps. There's always mistakes. There's always something somewhere down the line that's going to say, open that door and let that one entity in you don't want in, you know. Or lead to something different or something even more drastic. So, yeah, I mean, that's important things, man. Important things to think about. <laughs> this is a good place to take our break. So, uh, we are going to take a quick break. You'll be right back here with Paratruth Radio right after this. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. If you like listening to beautiful voices like ours instead of reading words, then head on over to Audible where you can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash paratruth, where you can choose from over 180,000 titles for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we have been talking about tarot and Ouija board. <laughs> Uh, in particular we were talking about doorway practices basically meaning that these are practices that can more or less open doors to the spiritual realm and allow entities in without the user knowing about it Uh, and ultimately of course having a possible drastic negative effect on the user of either of these two practices we discuss a lot of stuff today both tarot and Ouija, you and I, well, you have used both. Mm. I've only used Ouija. Um, I know you have, I know you have certain positive beliefs regarding the tarot because you yourself practiced it. You believe that, 
some of the things that you did with Tarot just couldn't be explained away by mere coincidence. You know, exactly by mere coincidences. Um, Ouija, on the other hand, you're you seem to be a little bit more on the fence about. Um, just because I have, I mean, I've used it. I never had anything negative happen to me like you guys did. Um, I'm not saying that it, it can't happen, and I'm not saying that you you should go out and go buy a Ouija board right now because it's the best thing in the world. Um. I think that uh regardless of what you're doing, whether it's tarot, Ouija board, whatever, um, there is that that chance that uh anybody could be wrong and you're just opening yourself to a some type of spiritual or demonic attack. Um but that's why I'm on the fence on it because I've never had anything negative happen to me and unfortunately most humans only go by what experience they've had with something. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm kind of on the fence. I'm not saying I would go and use a Ouija board or like tomorrow I'm going to go get one and me and Shelly are going to like try and contact the dead. But um I've never had anything negative happen to me. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm kind of on the fence about it. I think it's interesting that you say that some people only shoot, will, will basically go by their own experiences. You know, I say the Ouija board is bad because a negative thing happened to me. You say it may not be bad because nothing bad happened to you, and therefore the rest of the world will see it the same way. If nothing happened to them, then, hey, it's probably a good thing. If something did bad happen, well, hey, you know, whatever. And the reason I think that's interesting you say that is because at the very beginning of the show, we were talking about how people no longer seem to have control of themselves, but instead are controlled by the media, the type of cars they want, the type of, you know, this and that, why you need this, why you need that. And instead of facing uh, their own experiences and making choices based on their own experiences of a certain car or of a certain food product or whatever, they instead are allowing the media to manipulate them into believing whatever the advertisement is saying is true. So with that said, why is it that you think more people are quicker to cut from their own uh, experiences for a product and believe something that's being advertised. But yet when it comes to some of these occult practices, people will only go by what they believe and what they know as opposed to taking someone's word for it. Um... I'm sorry, that was it, really jumbled. I was trying to think of what I was saying as I was saying it. Can you can you word it differently? <laughs> I could. Can I, can you, do you want me to? I, yeah, maybe I'm just trying to get it, getting a little confused with how you. Okay, let me let me try it again. Um, so you were saying that people will only use things based on their own experiences with the product. Mm-hmm. Or not use things. So in this case, we're talking about, let's just talk about the Ouija board. I say the Ouija board is bad and no one should use it because I, in my experience, I had come across negativity, uh, a certain entity or presence because mm-hmm. of it. Uh, you, on the other hand, did not experience anything negative using a Ouija board. And therefore, you say 
well, hey, that's okay. We can use it because nothing bad had happened to me. Therefore, everything's fine. Um, which is completely understandable. Mm. But at the beginning of the show, we were saying that people tend to be manipulated by the media, by commercials and advertisements saying, hey, you need to buy this car because if you have this car, you'll get this wife. If you get this wife, you'll get this house. You get blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Therefore, you need this car. And people are instantly like, I need that car because the commercial says I need that car. Regardless of what the car is, mm-hmm. but they no longer focus on their experience with the car or with the company. You know, if someone says, oh, you should get this Ford, but they've been driving a Honda their entire life. And they know for a fact that Honda is better than Ford in regards to uh, uh, the long, long-term um, resilience of the car. Mm-hmm. Why would they switch over to the Ford? Because they're no longer focused on their experience. They're right. focused by whatever it is the commercial is telling them. It's saying, look, you need this because of this. So with that said, we're seeing two different things here. Why do you think it is that people will quickly forget about their experiences when it comes to commercialization and advertisements and media and jump to the next best thing? Where in the paranormal world and in particular in occult practices like the Ouija board of the tarot, people are more standoffish and will say, well, no, I'm only going to believe what I know I believe based on my own experiences. Because I feel that uh it's human nature that to want what we don't have so if somebody's telling me on uh, an advertisement you need the iBook Mac computer laptop that uh just came out because it's the best thing since sliced bread i'm going to think Holy crap, that beats my computer by like 150%. I need to go get that right now. Um, and some people will look at reviews and that sort of a thing and go by other people's experiences. Uh, but for the most part, especially here in America, I would say, I don't know about any of the other countries, but here in America, we want the next best things. So we're not going to even pay attention to reviews or statistics. For example, like you were talking about cars, uh, a Honda or a Subaru have better statistics than Ford or, or Chevy or anything like that. We're just going to pay attention to, oh my gosh, that's a sports car. I'm going to get a bunch of chicks because the commercial's telling me that. Mm-hmm. So... I, I think that that's where the line is kind of drawn is commercialism plays on the human nature of I want bigger and better. Where the paranormal, it's kind of a uh, all we can rely on is our experiences. Okay. That, that's that's a fair answer. That's a, that's a good answer. Um, Do you think that's a pretty good definition of what what you see on it or yeah, no, I think that's a good definition. I, I, I actually agree with you on that because I think where, uh, worldly things such as cars and money and et cetera, et cetera, you do, these, these advertisers are playing on a more physical element 
of these of these things as opposed to a spiritual one uh, or an emotional one, where in the occult, everything is spiritual and emotional and a belief system. And if, obviously, when we see in America, especially when you challenge somebody's belief system, there's going to be confrontation. Mm-hmm. But when you tell somebody something's better than something else in a physical sense, in this case, a car or a food product or whatever, there's a little more openness to debate and question because people are looking to better their lives in a physical way um, as opposed to a spiritual way, which is sad, but nonetheless true. I, I And I think we've done a pretty good explanation because like, I mean, most people will, will listen to this and be like, there's really no difference, but yeah, I, I believe there really is. Um, so anything that, uh, we talked about that, um, was new to you at all or anything, or was it pretty much just, uh, pretty much just same? a recap. For me. Yeah. Recap. Yeah, pretty much just about. a recap for me. Um, learned obviously a little bit more on Ouija than what I knew previously. Uh, or I mean, I'm sorry, not Ouija tarot than what I knew previously. Uh, Ouija though, that's just, just, just a refresher basically. Uh, but nonetheless, very important, good thing to remember as we're going through all of these different, uh, practices uh, throughout the last few weeks, because there are things and elements in each one of these, uh, that stand out as being different from each other, but also, seem to stand out and be linked to each other in some way or another, which is really interesting because when you think about it, the Ouija board and the tarot cards aren't too dissimilar from each other other than how each one is performed. Mm -hmm. Each one you're asking questions, each one you're receiving answers, each one is built to predict something to some extent, which I think is really interesting. And we've seen that numerous times throughout the last few weeks with the different things that we discussed. And not necessarily that Ouija is the same as uh, previous weeks, uh, topics that we've talked about in previous weeks. Right. But that the topics we talked about in previous weeks may be similar to another topic that we talked about within the same general realm or genre. So, right. yeah. Well, and I, the one thing that um, – the, the only real thing that I was – finding really fascinating about it was um, there was a little more to, to tarot that I hadn't even really studied before too. So it was really interesting to kind of come across some of the stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting. That's another interesting thing right there, Justin. Shame on you. What? We are always telling our listeners to do their research before practicing anything. And here you are practicing something and now just now learning <laughs> New research that you should have had done years ago when you were practicing tarot. I don't. I didn't say it swayed me one way or the other. I'm just saying oh, that doesn't more to matter. It. That doesn't matter. New information that could have dissuaded you originally <laughs> or did something. I'm just. Oh man. Wow. Now we got to take all everything back. Like our listeners aren't going to believe any of this now because we're liars about. That. <laughs> well, that's. Why we do the show is to research to find out more things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, any, any, um, tech takeaways for you? Like, I mean, other than obviously don't do it. 
<laughs> like, do you, uh, do you think that, um, they're both the Ouija and the, the tarot are so linked that spirits could, could be manip- manipulating regardless of what, you, what you're doing? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think the spirits are constantly manipulating our life decisions and the situations within them that, that we're, uh, forced to be in, I think. Um, I think that's always going to be true. You know, it, it goes along with the whole cartoon idea of the devil on your right shoulder or your left shoulder and the angel on your right. Um, there's always something grabbing your attention, trying to dissuade you or persuade you, uh, to do something. Uh, and that may not necessarily come in the form of a demonic entity or an angelic, uh, host of some sort, but it could be the advertisements they were talking about. It could be the different beliefs or the different reasoning as to uh, different reasoning behind some of these practices. Uh, there's always going to be something pulling you in one direction or the other, but the final determination necessarily what those spirits tell you, but instead what your own spirit tells you, what you decide uh, and I think it, that's why it's important to do the research. I think it's important to, to ask questions, to listen to different viewpoints. Um, some of the viewpoints are beginning to be very strong headed. It's true. And that's something that we need to deal with, uh, in today's world. That's part of the human nature. Everybody has an opinion and everybody's going to stand by that opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and not everybody's going to be nice about it. And that's okay. Uh, it's more so how you deal with the information. And with those people. So in the end, despite the fact that I think that there's some type of spiritual entanglement and like clash in the background, trying to pull us one direction or the other, in the end, it's still up to us to decide what the truth is as long as we know why we believe that is the truth. Because so many people will say something's true, but not have a reason as to why it's true. And so I think strongly believe if something's true or something's false. You need to have an exact reason as to why it is. Have that argument figured out, set it and know it because otherwise your, your opinion is nothing it means nothing. Very good and insightful. Eric. Okay. <laughs> All right, folks. That is the end of the episode. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, let us know your comments, concerns, uh, any information we missed. We'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, make sure you're checking out the networks we are on, Paranormal UK Radio Network, TMV Cafe, Fringe Radio Network, uh, Conflict Radio, and, of course, Paratruthradio.com. And uh, that's about it. So I hope you guys have a good week. And uh, until next week, where you will find us same time, same channel, my name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace.
Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.